the Caesar who invented this salad was a restaurateur. And that's another word that gets misspelled a lot. Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage Podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryans, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Well, hello, Paul. Hi, Tom. Paul, recently we posted our podcast about the history of Common Errors in English Usage and how you started the website, uh, what your origins were. It goes back to... uh, visiting restaurants doesn't it yeah uh, when i first started getting known a little bit for the common errors project um, people assumed that i was inspired by the mistakes in my students writing and that's not really the case um a lot of the, the errors i write about aren't particularly common in student papers and in fact um in the latter part of my career i didn't do that much markup in writing i learned from an expert writing teacher that if you underline a student's writing and then write in what you think uh, should be better writing, they don't learn anything. What they learn is, oh, this teacher didn't like what I wrote, so in my next draft, I'll just put what he wrote. But they haven't learned the lesson of why that might be better writing. So instead, I would underline and then in the margins say vague or wrong tense or something else, and then they had to figure out what, the mistake was I didn't I tried to give enough information so they'd have an idea that's much better so I was not engaging in long discussions with students about the details of their writing but when my wife and I would go out to dine I would frequently be annoyed by the mistakes on menus and I joked that what I should do is make up a series of little calling cards with a blank space on them. And I would say, your menu has been corrected by the Gorilla Grammarian. And then it would have a space for me to explain how to spell Caesar salad, for instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And of course, I never did that. But um, that's what got me going on this whole thing. And I started writing up a bunch of these. And then I started adding others. And it evolved into the very successful little franchise (laughs) that it is today. And the, the fingerprints are all over the website and the book. Uh, you can just go down and find lots of entries that relate directly to things that you might find on a menu that were done incorrectly or or were a lot of food words that people just get wrong. Food yeah. words, yeah. Yeah, either sometimes it's the waiter mispronouncing something, sometimes it's a sign in the restaurant, all kinds of things. Well, today, as I was preparing this, um, I ran across a cartoon uh, that was just published today, Scott Hilburn's Argyle Sweater, which is a cartoon that's just it's something different every day. And this one has uh, a pair of apples who've just come back from a party and they're taking their coats off. And uh, the man is the red apple. And he says to the woman, Apple, oh, stop it, Paula. You know, I'm not attracted to bananas. And the female green apple says, oh, please, Jonathan, you were practically unpeeling her with your eyes tonight. <laughs> but, well, besides being funny, that was a little weird. Yeah. Unpeeling, unpeeling. He was peeling a banana, right? 
That's right. But yeah. but if the uh, expression that it's alluding to, of course, is undressing a woman with her eyes. Mm-hmm. So it's got the un in it. Yes. And in fact, we do use unpeeling in that way a lot. It's one of those words that whose literal meaning seems to contradict its most common meaning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you go on to use the past tense of the verb, unpeeled, that means it's not peeled. Yes. So unpeeling has kind of the opposite meaning from unpeeling. I started looking up unpeeled and unpeeling uh, in Google. And in one dictionary that I looked, the autocorrect snapped up and changed it into unappealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, this is a word that behaves a lot like uh, unravel, um, where the raveling is the the mess and unraveling it is to take it apart mm-hmm. um and it's a little bit different from that in that the although we some people will argue that to ravel something is to unravel it mm-hmm. um it actually traditionally it's probably the other way around there's that famous line in macbeth sleep that knits up the raveled sleeve of care so it's undone when it's raveled yes and it needs to be knitted up. Knitted up, right. Yeah. Uh, another word that has does a similar kind of trick, I've heard Jeff Nunberg discuss or write about uh, the verb unpacked, uh, or I guess the adjective unpacked, uh, when you, you say, well, I just moved into my apartment and my boxes are still unpacked. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that means I... Meaning you haven't, I haven't opened them yet. Yes. And that... Obviously, but they're still packed. Yes, they're still packed. They're not unpacked. Right. But uh, this was cited in a New Yorker piece right. where it was used that way. So obviously, um, uh, either slipped by an editor or an editor just thought that was uh, perfectly fine use of the word. Well, let's see if we can unpack this idea a little further. Right. Yeah. So there we start off with a food related one, but you have lots of other food related ones in your book, right? Well, to start with, I thought I'd mention my most recent blog posts, which happen to both be about salads. That's an amazing phenomenon. Yeah. Let's talk about that because I, I could not believe my eyes when I saw some of the links that you had. Um, Caesar salad is very popular. Although uh, most of the Caesar salads, they have uh, omit the anchovies or, or do something else with the recipe. But and Caesar salad with chicken is not Caesar salad. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, my entry in the book says, did you know that German K-A-I-S-E-R is derived from the Latin C-A-E-S-A-R and is pronounced a lot more like it than the English version? We're stuck with our illogical pronunciation, so we have to memorize the correct spelling. Now, normally in English, if we had a C before an A, we would want to pronounce that as a K, right? It's K sound. Mm-hmm. Sure. But in the Latin, it's C-A-E. That's a very unusual combination in English. And so it's really natural for people to flip those two vowels and spell Caesar wrong by doing C-E-A-S-A-R. And I would say maybe half the menus that I look at have it spelled that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but there is also some occasional occurrences of seizure salad, S-E-I-Z-U-R-E. Right. Yeah. 
and uh, and then there's the origin of Caesar coming from the word czar, which right. is spelled very various uh, confusing ways: C Z A R T S A R. Sometimes for crossword puzzle lovers, <laughs> or yes, Russians who write in English tend to prefer T S A R. Yeah, um, even though C Z A R comes closer to the original Latin spelling, and uh, of course that's that's not at all like the Latin either. Uh, anyway, the thing is that the Caesar salad was invented by a chef named Caesar, and he spelled his name the traditional way, C-A-E-S-A-R. So it doesn't matter what you think of the Roman Empire, um, if you want to spell the salad's name right, you have to use the A-E spelling. Right. And of course, half the labels that you see for Caesar dressing have a portrait of Julius Caesar. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not the restaurateur. We'll get to restaurateur in a minute. Well, you know, it's maybe not entirely inappropriate because the the Romans loved to flavor their dishes with a uh, salted fish aged sauce called garum and uh, not too far removed from anchovies, really. Mm. Garum. <laughs> Yeah. And that's not, it has no relation to garam masala. No, this is no. G-A-R-U-M. Not G-A-R-U-M. A. Okay. All right. Yeah. And of course, the, the Caesar who invented this out was a restaurateur. And that's another word that gets misspelled a lot. Um, restaurateur. It comes from French and it's kind of a pretentious word, actually. But if you spell it with an N to make it more like restaurant, restauranter, then people are going to think you're kind of illiterate. Mm hmm. You know better. Sure. And it's related to, we have other words that do similar things that come from French, a chauffeur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of EUR means one who does something. Yeah. An auteur. Coiffeur. Yes. Masseur. A masseur is not a masseuse, by the way, if it's a male. Yes. Not. The other salad, though, this is the one that I wanted to talk about, really. Yeah. Having read that blog post, um, just, was it yesterday, the day before, um, I got an email from someone saying, have you seen mescaline salad? And uh, I just hard, hardly believe it. This is mescaline, of course, M-E-S-C-L-U-N. Mescaline is... Uh, an unusual spelling, but it's a very common kind of ending in Provençal French. Mm -hmm. And that's where the salad was introduced. And mesclin really literally just means mixed. So it means mixed greens uh, and a salad that's mesclin. But it never got standardized. There are all kinds of salads that can be called mesclin, depending on nothing except that they are mixed greens. So when you call something a mescaline salad, you're not saying that there's a particular flavors that you can expect to encounter or textures or something. And uh, we use it on menus all the time, and they sell bags of mescaline in the stores and so on. Mm -hmm. um, and for those at, at home who are not looking at it printed on the page here, it's M-E-S-C-L-U-N, which you don't normally actually even see because the bag at the store is probably going to be labeled Mixed greens or, right. or mixed baby greens or some, you know, something more understandable. But it turns out there are some people who are getting confused and calling it a mescaline salad. Yeah, which would be a, something different, <laughs> wouldn't it? Right. That's the active ingredient in magic mushrooms for getting a psychedelic experience. That would be a very different kind of salad indeed. And I was able to find some amusing links on the web that uh, you can get to. 
And the proof is right there. These are photographs from stores or menus where people <laughs> have actually labeled it mescaline. Right. Um, when I checked it, um, I didn't find it to be so common that I thought it was worth writing up in Common Errors, but the blog is perfect for that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, and, and the title I chose to give these two, the first one I called Word Salad, and the second I called Word Salad Part Two. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is a pun, which I did not explain, but I will explain here. Word salad is a term in psychology uh, for the speech of people who have suffered some kind of a brain problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've known it to happen from just a, a very strong migraine temporarily. Mm-hmm. It can happen after a stroke. Um, various other kinds of things where people start uttering sort of gibberish and they think they're speaking standard English, but the words coming out are not what they intend at all and they don't connect. They don't make sense grammatically. They don't make sense logically. Um, and the typical expression for that kind of speech is word salad. And I've heard it applied to, believe it or not, uh, some of Sarah Palin's proclamations. Absolutely. I can believe that. So not that we're critics of Sarah Palin on this show. <laughs> so, um, I thought, let's just talk about some of them that, that are in the book. And uh, I just, it was handiest for me to take these, um, just starting with the A's. So I'll begin with Allah. I pie Allah mode. And you get, uh, there's trip à la mode de crayon, which is if you go to a fancy French restaurant, you might, uh, tripes in uh, crayon style. À la is two words in French, A space L-A, and there's a, uh, grave accent over the A. Um, and you're putting it in a menu though, uh, it often gets, Americanized not only by removing the accent, but by removing the space and using a invented word, Allah, A-L-A. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you get Allah space mode. And then some of them, I've often seen uh, pi Allah mode, A-L-A-M-O-D-E with no space, all one word. All one word. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. right. What it's in supposed to be the mode of is a mystery. This is pie with ice cream on it. And whose mode is that? Ice cream mode? Nobody seems to know. Yeah. Uh, it's lost in, in time. But uh, anyway, if you're going to do paella mode, you don't have to do the accent mark, but you really need the space in there. And paella mode, um, generally, the meaning of that is it's served with ice cream, right? We covered that. Right. Okay, so. Yeah. yeah. So um, here's another one with a starts with A, a piece. Now, there are actually two different expressions entirely. A piece is one word and a piece has two words. A-P-I-E-C-E um, means each. So if you say these pizzas are really cheap, only $10 a piece. Mm-hmm. And so that means each, the pieces there are the pizzas themselves. But when piece actually refers to a piece of something, then you need the two words. This pizza is really expensive. They sell it by the slice for Ten dollars a piece, and that would be two words. Each slice is a piece. So if it means each, it's one word. If it's referring to an actual piece, then it's a piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the more common settings 
of the word apiece has nothing to do with food. Um, talking about going down the road apiece. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be two words. Mm-hmm. It's generally two words, isn't it? I mean, almost, uh, almost always. So. Yes. Uh, I don't know how to transition you to the next one, but uh, it is, I'm looking at artisanal. Artisanal. Yeah. Yeah. Artisanal. Yeah. And you yeah. just pronounce it two different ways. And that's interesting because if you look in dictionaries, by and large, artisanal has only been in, in common use for the last decade or so. A lot of emphasis on homemade and handmade and locally made foods in restaurants and in upscale grocery stores. It unfortunately overlaps a lot with artesian in people's minds. And so it usually gets pronounced artisanal. And to me, that's a more comfortable way to say it too. I, I really have to stop. And, and if I, I'm talking to somebody else. I got to decide. Am I going to do what the dictionary says and then they won't know what I'm talking about? Or am I going to do what almost everybody does say, which is artisanal? Mm-hmm. But you don't want to mix up artisanal and artesian. And it's not artisanal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, artesian is a re- reference to water uh, or uh, wells, especially that bubble up uh, in a spring to the top, or they could be oil uh, as well. And so it has that E sound, artesian, and it's spelled with an E, artisanal, made by an artisan. And that's why the pronunciation artisanal is, is just trying to follow the, the noun. Um, A-R-T-I, not A-R-T-E. So, as you said, everybody says artisanal, and that's, at some point, maybe we're moving that as a standardized or a more standard pronunciation, but a dictionary will tell you it's artisanal. Right. With the emphasis on R and uh, the first syllable. But regardless of how you pronounce it, it is a very trendy way to give cachet to anything you're talking about, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Someday we've got to talk about cachet too, but not <laughs> Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, I ended that entry by writing, if you hand bottle water from a natural spring in your backyard, I suppose you could label the re- result artisanal artesian water. Well, that sounds like baloney to me. <laughs> okay, so baloney. Uh, we have two words in English that are pronounced baloney, and they're, they're quite different. B-A-L-O-G-N-A and B-A-L-O-N-E-Y. So the one with the G. Bologna, originally, is the name of a city in Italy. And uh, we say bologna, but when it's the food, but it's the city, it's Bologna. That G there is to make the N into an, what the Spanish call an Ñ, a Ñ sound. Um, the sausage is named after the city, but we pronounce it bologna and often spell it B-A-L-O-N-E-Y, and both of those are generally acceptable. You'll find both of them on labels for food and and uh, supermarkets and so on. But then there's the expression, a bunch of bologna. That's a lot of bologna. Like, that's a lot of hooey nonsense. Uh, bologna probably had nothing to do with sausage in this context. It's probably a euphemism for BS. Sure. Because you start to say bologna, right? Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, so when people, some people trying to be hypercorrect will sometimes write bunch of B-O-L-O-G-N-A, bunch of bologna. 
Well, it, it never was Bologna, so there's no sense in correcting it back to Bologna in that expression. They're just being pretentious. Right, yeah. Well, bologna is the lunch meat. Right. But let's talk about another uh, meat expression. For those who like to cook outdoors, there's the whole barbecue controversy, right? Right. And not only do people fight endlessly over the correct recipes for barbecue, but there's also a lot of disagreement over the spelling of it. Uh, barbacoa is supposedly the um, Caribbean Indian name mm. that it was derived from originally. Um, probably the most popular spelling on signs is B-A-R hyphen B hyphen Q. And uh, then probably beyond that, um, you often see the spelling B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E and variations on that, like B-A-R-B-A-Q-U-E. But the standard spelling is B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E. The Q on the, the signs is a sort of pun, taking that last syllable C-U-E and turning it into a letter Q. And that's just done with the hyphens. Yeah. The hyphens are integral to, if you're doing that signage with the uh, barbecue. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, this is. Let's get a little more high-minded here, and moving up the scale from bologna to barbecue to uh, another French term. Uh, can I pronounce it the way it's spelled in your uh, the way the way you have it spelled? It's misspelled. It would be pronounced bon appetit. Yeah. Well, what everybody says and and what they ought to be saying is bon appetit. No. T pronounced at the end. It's mm-hmm. um, people get spooked because they there's so many French words that have an e on the end and you pronounce the consonant, but if the e is not there, you don't pronounce the consonant, and we don't get that right a lot. Of this we can't remember what the rule is. So in spelling it, you see people spelling it b o n space a space p e t i t e, which would mean good for little. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Bon appetit. Whereas, or maybe good for little people? I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, the correct spelling is B-O-N-A-P-P-E-T-I-T. It's what Julia Child used to say. Bon appetit at the end of all of her shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it means is uh, have a good appetite and enjoy your meal, in other words. Uh, American waiters seem to think that it's great to just tell people, enjoy which uh, always makes me a little resentful. I, I figure it's up to them to make sure that I enjoy my meal, not me to determine myself to enjoy it, um, mm-hmm. which I think is short for I hope you enjoy your meal. Mm-hmm. Bon appetit is sort of like enjoy, though. It's saying, yeah, of course, we have good cooking here. It's delicious. Yes. Let's hope you have an appetite that is adequate for enjoying it. It's one of those phrases that doesn't even really have an English equivalent, does it? It's, it's just, that's why it's still used. Bon appetit. Yeah. So besides bon appetit, I've seen B-O-N-A, all one word, mm-hmm. petite. Then I've seen it all as one word, bon appetit. Mm. Then B-O-N space A space P-E-T-I-T. In that case, you wouldn't pronounce the final T. And I finish that one by saying all of these are bona again, good for nothing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the correct spelling that is on the appetit is a double P E T I T. And no pronouncing that final T. Bon appetit. Well, we talked about barbecue and bologna, which is great for you omnivores, but we vegetarians love our Brussels sprouts. 
But we always mess it up and spell them out Brussels sprouts rather than Brussels sprouts. Well, that's how you'll see them in the grocery store a lot of time, Brussels sprout. And I think people are thinking, well, this Brussels must be a plural. And um, so we're talking about the generic term, so we don't need the as. No, it's they're named after the city of Brussels, Bruxelles in French, which has an S on the end. And so they should be Brussels sprout, Brussels sprouts. No matter if it's one sprout or two, it's still got an S on the end of Brussels. And it doesn't help anything that the next word begins with an S. So when right. you hear it, it's just Brussels sprouts. Right. And the it doesn't really click that Brussels refers to the city. You think it might be named after a person or, we, you know, you don't normally associate cabbages with the city of Brussels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the next item that uh, we found on your in your book and on your site was uh, cacao or cocoa. Yeah. Yeah. Cacao and cocoa. Now these are very mysterious, and now that cacao has been revealed as a power food, <laughs> we see it in all the natural food sections of the stores and so on. Uh, it's very mystifying now. Well, I have to admit, being a chocolate snob, I'm one of those people that'll gladly pay $8 for a imported single source, 73% dark chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but uh, it, it, you can get tripped up by the spelling. The tree that the, the seeds are grown on from which chocolate is made is called a cacao, C-A-C-A-O. Mm-hmm. And the seeds... Uh, when they're ground into powder and roasted, roasted and ground into powder, that end product is called C-O-C-O-A. So the two last vowels get swapped. Okay. But people get them mixed up. So if you're talking about the tree, the A comes before the O. If you're talking about the food, then the O comes before the A. And neither of these should be confused with C-O-C-A, which is the plant, which is the source of cocaine. Right, which also gets confusing when it gets thrown in the mix. So when I'm in the store and I see the bag of not the 73%, I see the 100%. I see the, the nibs or the what they call the bits, right? right. And uh, these are things you can throw on your salad or throw <laughs> in your chew on or whatever. That, throw in your mouth. <laughs> throw in your mouth. Uh, and they are, they're not sweetened at all. Right. They're completely pure. Are those... That's still cocoa. That's still cocoa. Oh, okay. yeah. But it's only the tree or the plant. They're often labeled cacao on the packaging. I think that's being pretentious, you know, or trying to be Spanish. I see. Okay. All right. So uh, uh, we'll still stick with cocoa. Yeah. Essentially, if you're ingesting it, let's call it cocoa. And if you're referring to the plant, we'll call it cacao. Is that a... And it was the drink is cocoa the the way the aztecs consumed it was always unsweetened and as a drink mm-hmm. and that's the way it was first consumed in europe mm-hmm. uh, for a long time people were into drinking cocoa like tea or coffee and uh, the adding of sugar came along quite a bit later mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay but uh still these these little bits or nibs or whatever they're selling we should still call those cocoa as well well you know, I guess you could make an argument that the seeds themselves are cacao. And if you chop the seeds up into little pieces but haven't ground them yet, maybe they need to achieve a certain smoothness of texture before they swap vowels. I don't know. Oh, this is getting so difficult. Anyway, <laughs> let's remember there's two different things going on here, but they're referring to the same plant or the yeah. same thing. But generally, 
botanically we'll call it a cacao and right. um uh if, if we're drinking the drink it's cocoa right uh it, well speaking of sweets and so on your next one is related to uh caramel right and uh, this is uh one of my pet peeves when i'm in a an ice cream shop and their labels actually spell caramel correctly i i tell them congratulations <laughs> this, i like shopping here you know how to spell caramel c-a-r-a-m-e-l mm-hmm. um now my entry is take highway one south from monterey to reach the charming seaside town of carmel c-a-r-m-e-l of which clint eastwood was formerly the mayor Dissolve sugar in a little water and cook it down until the sugar turns brown to create caramel. Now, there's a nationwide chain that uses the spelling caramel corn, K-A-R-M-E-L-K-O-R-N, which is deliberately misspelled in several ways. And that helps to perpetuate the confusion between these two words so that that poor second A just gets left out mm-hmm. all the time. And and we don't most people don't pronounce it as caramel either as caramel. Exactly. Yeah, the city is Carmel. Right. Uh, with that stress on the second syllable. Yeah. But yeah. if you want to keep it straight, it's probably easier to pronounce it the way you do. Caramel, caramel. But uh, uh, the other, I guess, accepted pronunciation is caramel. Mm-hmm. So a few different things going on, but however it is, when you're spelling it out, you, it has to be C-A-R-A-M-E-L. Okay, this next one is one that's really picky, and um, I'm probably just complaining about something that nobody else cares about, but it's chai tea. <laughs> now, in India, the word in Hindi for tea is chai. It also happens to be the word for tea in Chinese. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, most of Southeast Asia... The word for tea is chai, and it's spelled in English letters, C-H-A-I. Indians tend to prefer their tea spiced and with milk in it, and so we call that combination chai. Uh, to them, it's that's masala chai, um, with masala for spices. But in uh, coffee shops and so on, uh, they usually put on the menu chai tea. Now, when we first started serving this stuff, I think maybe that was okay because it was telling people, hey, this is tea, but it's not regular tea. This is a different kind of tea. It's something exotic. You should try it. Now, I think almost everybody, certainly all the people who are going to deliberately order chai, know what it is. They know it's a kind of flavored tea, and so they don't really need the extra tea in there. And uh, I, I would say that if the place is a little more sophisticated, it's just going to say chai. Uh, if they think their customers really don't understand what the stuff is, then they're probably going to add the word tea. Sure. And because we speak English, specifically American English here in the U.S., that we often don't think about these origins of things and just we'll throw it out as it's not realizing it's redundant. And But speaking of tea, you also have an entry about iced tea. Yeah, iced tea is originally iced tea with a D I C E D T, mm-hmm. and um, that's a little more sophisticated than I C E T E A, but um, you certainly will see that. Uh, one that is definitely not standard is grilled cheese. Yes, like grilled cheese sandwich is grilled cheese with an E D on the end. 
And whipped cream, right? Yeah, whipped cream, probably whip without the P, extra PED is uh, pretty widely acceptable. But then also kind of illiterate is mashed potatoes mm-hmm. uh, instead of mashed potatoes. And uh, one that somebody sent me that I haven't seen but evidently turns up is scramble eggs without oh. the D on the end of scramble. Well, that, that will follow the same pattern. So if you're doing something to the food, tea has been iced, the cream has been whipped, the eggs have been scrambled. Uh, when you put the adjective in front, you generally, you're not going to be wrong anyway to put the D on the end. But in some cases, such as iced tea and iced tea, maybe because the pronunciation just falls right in, there's a certain amount of acceptance for leaving that D out. Yeah, while while we're in the neighborhood of potatoes, by the way, I want to mention uh, there was a, a famous um, kerfuffle when a vice presidential candidate uh, misspelled the word potato and actually advanced to putting the end the e on the end of potato as a corrected spelling. And uh, I walked into a Colonel Sanders restaurant and saw up on the board that they were offering potato salad with an E on the end of potato. Aha. Uh-huh. And of course it, it does it, the plural does have an E P O T A T O E S. But the E disappears along with the S when it's singular. Exactly. Yeah. Or or rather the E gets added to the plural or something. But the however you slice it, the word potato does not have an E in it. Yeah, well, it did on this sign in this Kentucky Fried Chicken outlet. So when I told the clerk, I think your uh, menu, your uh, sign there is misspelled. He says, hey, people tell us that all the time, but that's the way the colonel spells it. <laughs> okay, the uh, Colonel Quail, yeah. then. <laughs> Dan Quail. <laughs> I want to talk more about menu items and food items in your book and website later on. But we'll just wrap up with that same uh, note. We are a nonpartisan podcast. We are not criticizing Republican presidential candidates. <laughs> but but uh, uh, we're just noting that there have been some mistakes. Mistakes have been made. Yes. All right. I'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks, Paul. That'll do it for the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to commonerrorspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.